Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. I want to look tonight, we've been spending some time in the Psalms, right? And I'm still there, you can kind of tell where I've been hanging out lately, right? And uh, kind of moving forward, you can open your Bibles to Psalm 116. I'm going to read the whole thing, as I've been doing, and then we'll go back and uh, look at some particulars. Psalm 116, beginning in verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined my, his ear to, to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yes, our Lord is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Going back to the first verse, <laughs> you know, we sang a song just now where we sang, where, where one of the phrases is, we worship you for who you are. And this is one of the fundamental things we talk about when the difference between praise and worship, um, when we're talking about the concepts of praise and worship. Why do we praise him? Why do we worship him? Uh, and, and I don't think, again, I'm, I'm not a big fan of formula, but uh, one of the differences that's often been pointed out is worship is about who God is, praise is about what he's done. Now, I don't think you can necessarily categorize it that way, but uh, there, there's certainly something to that. God is, and simply because of who he is and how he is, he is worthy of our worship and our praise, okay? Uh and as I mentioned Sunday, there was this uh, this discussion that I that we had in this class at my in my mission trip to Mexico, where where, where the guy had asked, you know, uh, had had challenged us, you know, when people say, "Oh, well, why should I become a Christian?" What they're really saying is, "What's in it for me?" And that's the wrong question to ask. And I argue, uh, you know what? That's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. What's in it for me? And look at how this thing starts out. I love the Lord because <laughs> He has heard my voice and my supplication. Now, we don't know for sure who wrote this song. 
Um, there's been argument about that. I haven't done a deep study of it. But generally, it's accepted to be a psalm of David, even though it doesn't say it's a psalm of David. It doesn't matter a whole lot. Uh, the fact is, it's in the Word of God. And this is, this is somebody's expression. I love the Lord because he heard me when I prayed. Now, you can't take that. You, you can't extrapolate too much from that. You can't say the guy would hate the Lord if his prayer wasn't answered. He is expressing something apparently having just received an answer to prayer. He prayed. He received an answer. We're going to talk about what the prayer was and what the answer was here in just a second. But he's writing in the ecstasy of the moment. And how many of us can relate to that? Uh, Do you love your parents all the time? Do you love your spouse all the time? Do you love your kids all the time? Yes, because you're supposed to, right? And because we have warm feelings and because we're mature believers, we all love each other. But do you not sense that love? And do you not feel an obligation to express that love when they have just done something great for you? What do you say when they give you a gift? When they perform some service? I love you. Why not? And this is what the psalmist said, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. This is the other thing I want to point out. He is interpreting correctly, I believe, his, the answer he has received. Not just as, woohoo, I got lucky. God heard me this time. I'll call, up him, I'll call upon him as long as I live. Because what God did when he answered my prayer was not just do something for me. He revealed his character to me. He showed me what kind of God he is. Showed me that he is worth calling on. And he is, in answering this prayer, he has instilled a habit in me. I know that I can trust him. I'll call upon him as long as I live. There's a... I was reading this very disturbing uh, uh, little back and forth from somebody I know who is a believer. And this guy, uh, he's an intelligent man, and he believes in God. But it's almost like he believes in God only because he's an intelligent man and he can't argue against God's existence because he has nothing good to say about God. He even shares Christ with others, but he believes God hates him. And, and he's adamant that he says, oh, God just picks and chooses who he's going to bless and I'm not one of the lucky ones. I'm not one of the, the, the predestined ones that he chooses to bless. I still share the Lord because he's real. It's clear that he's real, and I share the Lord hoping that he's better to them than he is to me. There's more I could say about that, and I may if we wind up with some time at the end of this. But wow, what a mess that is. Uh, But one step away from that would be, God answered my prayer that time. Hope he does next time too. Hope he's not in a bad mood next time I call on him. The psalmist has the right view here. I love the Lord. He heard my prayer, and in hearing my prayer and answering my prayer, he showed me what kind of God he is. Therefore, I will call upon him forever. Then, he reveals a little bit about the prayer itself. In verse 3, The pains of death surrounded me, 
and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. There, and, and this, and in verse 6 where it says, I was brought low and he saved me. Um, uh, in verse 10, I am greatly afflicted. And in verse 15, where it talks about precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, many scholars are convinced that what the psalmist is writing about is a near-death uh, episode of sickness. That This is a person who was sick unto death, uh, who could have or very nearly did die from sickness, but he called unto the Lord and received his healing. Uh, this is what... And, and now... And everybody can relate to this who has ever been sick, whether you were deathly sick or not. Uh, can you testify the difference in your mood the first day you wake up well or even better? I mean, this is somebody who is ecstatic because they were convinced they were going to die. And then God came through. They re- he received his healing. And now he's rejoicing. Okay. The pains of death surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol, Sheol, hell, laid hold of death, rather, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. There is what the prayer was. And then he refers to that. The Lord heard that prayer. And my supplications. Therefore, I will call, I will call upon him as long as I live. Now, Verse 5, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our Lord is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He's telling himself, you can relax now. God has revealed himself to you. You know what kind of God he is. You don't need to fear sickness. You don't need to fear death. You know how God deals with you. The Lord has dealt bountifully. Therefore, you can relax because what he has shown you is that he will deal bountifully with you. This is a theme that we see again and again and again in the Psalms, especially the Psalms of David. When you look at the one, uh, his mercy endureth forever. Every other line is his mercy endureth forever. What's he doing? He's talking about what the Lord has done. And praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. He did this, so we praise him. Why? Not just because he did it, but because the fact that he did it shows the kind of God he is. And the same mercy that caused him to split the Red Sea and defeat these kings will also see us through our, our struggles and cause us to emerge victorious. Now, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Verse 9. Now we begin to see the response here. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now, this will come back. We'll, we'll say a little bit more about this later because he says it again. But this is really uh, him, ex- the psalmist, expressing his response. Since the Lord has heard my prayer, since he's delivered me from death, since he has dealt bountifully with me, I will walk before him in the land of the living. And the land of the living is here. All right? That's the, let's, let's make no mistake about that. Uh, that phrase, in the land of the living, appears uh, at other places in the Word of God in the Psalms. Uh, and, and what he's talking about is here. Now, you could make the, you could make the argument, well, this, this is just you know, like what C.S. Lewis calls the shadow lands. The real land of the living is heaven. But in context, he's talking about the here and now. All right? And what he's saying is, because God has been good to me, 
I will walk before him. What does that mean, I'll walk before him? I'm going to live my life in a manner that honors him, in a, in a way that I'm not ashamed to be. Where is God? He's everywhere, right? Why? Never mind. <laughs> because he likes you. No, that's not. Old comedian said that's a combination Walt Disney, Old Testament uh, philosophy. Anyway, he does like you, all right? He loves you. That's more important. But God is everywhere. So in one sense, we, we, we understand that everywhere we walk, we walk before the Lord. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that I'm not going to be ashamed in the way I walk. I will purposely walk before the Lord. I'm going to walk conscience, conscious of his presence and I'm going to walk conscious of his presence in a manner that honors him on purpose. I'll walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not going to wait until I'm in heaven. I'm not going to wait until after I die to sing his praises or to obey. I'm going to, my response to his goodness to me is simply to live out his commandments, live out his praises, and sing them and speak them. And then maybe the two hardest verses in this psalm, with the possible exception of 15. In verse 10 and 11, it says, I believed, therefore I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now, it's not hard to interpret that. It's just funny because of, how, of, of the New Testament reference to that. He's, I see these two verses as sort of a confession almost a note of repentance here. Uh, look, I was down. I was near death. Thought I was anyway. I was in the depths of despair. And because I believed, my belief was based on my experience and my circumstances. Therefore, what I said was, and I think the implication was at that moment, all I said was, I'm afflicted. There's something vital here we have to learn about believing and speaking. And, and, and I'm going to read something here in a little bit for, that, that Paul wrote that will reinforce this. But I want you to see this. When we're sick, when we're broke, when we're sad, There's a tricky balance. It's not as tricky as we make it sometimes. I'm just acknowledging that there's a tension there. We have to be honest, right? Uh, there's a guy that dad referred. I'm not going to say who it is. He's a great guy. But, uh, you know, people, and, and you've probably all known people like this. How you doing? I'm blessed coming and going. I'm great. I got to keep rocks in my pocket to keep my feet on the ground. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life. They're just... Everything, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, right? They would never, huh? Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they, they will never, ever confess that there's anything wrong in their life. And, and you know what? If it's just a passing greeting, fine. But if we're friends, we're brothers and sisters, and I'm asking you, hey, how are things? You need to feel free to tell me if there's something wrong. You need to feel free to tell one another if there's a battle you're fighting so that I can pray with you, pray for you, right? But, but, <laughs> and I know you've heard this a hundred times, at least a hundred times just from me. I don't know how many other people you've heard it from. You know, we've got a rule in our house. 
Uh, and, and the easiest, the easiest uh, example is when it's sickness. You know, when I know Beth is fighting something in her body, there's a difference between what? There's a difference between how are you and how do you feel. Okay? Always, always give the opportunity for a positive confession. How are you? How are you is the more important question. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm healed head to toe, front to back, side to side, inside and out. I'm free of disease. I'm delivered from every form of affliction in every bone, muscle, gland, organ, blood vessel, joint, ligament, tendon, nerve, cell, tissue, my body, and all the spaces in between. That's how I am. How do you feel? I hurt. I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you. I believe that hurt has to go. Why? Because you're healed head to toe, front to back, side to side, inside and out, in every bone, muscle, gland, organ, blood vessel, joint, ligament, tendon, nerve, cell, and tissue, and all the spaces in between. Right? So, what he's saying is, I believed, therefore I spoke. I'm afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What's he talking about? All the people who said, God's going to heal you. God is for you. You're going to come out victorious, David, or whoever the psalmist is. This isn't the end of you. And he's so down that he says what? It's all, it's all bull. It's a lie. If this were true, I wouldn't feel like I'm feeling. If this were true, I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing. In my haste, I said that. And now, where is he at now? He's on the complete other side of that. And says in verse 10, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And he's saying this right after writing, Look, I believe, therefore I spoke, I'm afflicted. In my haste, I said, all men are liars. Now, what can I do for God? Now that I'm out of this, now that he's proved that all these men weren't liars, all they, all they were doing was encouraging me in the Lord. And I've experienced this manifestly. I am well. I'm redeemed. I'm Whatever this affliction is, sickness probably, I'm on the other side of it. I'm blessed. I've, I've got a new uh, revelation of just how, God, how good God intends to be toward me all the time. Now, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? What can we do for God? God, you did this for me. Now what? What can I do for you? And uh, we're kind of back to this thing, aren't we? There's nothing God needs from us. That one, of, one of the things that defines him as God is that he is utterly, utterly self-sufficient. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our obedience. Now, there are some things that are required in terms of fulfilling his will, but nothing's going to take away from his godness, his personal well-being. Nothing's going to add to that. We've got nothing, right? And I'm thinking of this, this old imperial song from the One More Song for You album, which I maintain is still their best. Where they sang, uh, there's a line in it that said, uh, it won't even up the score, but it's the least that I can do, and I just want to know what I can do for you. You've done so much for me, far beyond what a friend could do, and I just want to know what I can do for you. Just to do it for you, not because he needs it. But look at what the answer is here. 
(laughs) It amazed me when I read it. Verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Verse 13, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. (laughs) This is kind of a weird first thing to write after that question. What shall I give? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I will take. I will take up the cup of, of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. This is a very humble statement because his first response is this. After he asks, what shall I render to the Lord? What he's basically saying is, nothing I can do. Everything we just talked about. I can't pay him back. That's not how this thing was set up. This was a gift. Why am I healed? Why am I blessed? Because he's a good God. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to receive it. This cup of salvation, and salvation includes everything. This is one of the fundamental truths of what we believe as faith people, is that the cross, the the atoning work of Christ, the sacrifice that he made, and everything that that is provided for us, it, it wasn't just, it's not like, well, the cross was just enough to get us out of hell. And then there's a whole other series of teachings and beliefs and, and hoops we have to jump through, through to, uh, to earn our healing, to earn our prosperity, to earn our protection, right? That's not it. It was all part. You look at every blessing that God promised his people, and it's all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's all, and it's all good. It's huge. It's, it's, it's enormous. I was thinking when Pastor Mike was up here earlier, uh, right after praise and worship, and, he, and he's bringing forth this word. Did you hear what he was saying? Time, it's your time. It's your time. Speak to that mountain. It has to get out of the way. You are walking. What was the word? Victory, victory, victory. And I was thinking about this. If God showed up manifestly, physically, visibly, and we all agreed this is God standing here, And let's say you're fighting a disease in your body. Let's say you're fighting a a relationship battle in your family. Let's say you're fighting that there's an enormous debt, a financial difficulty. And And God now, not somebody saying, thus saith the Lord, but God himself looked at you and said, rest because you're healed. Rest because that financial difficulty is already gone. It's defeated. It's time for you to speak to that mountain. It's your time. What kind of difference is that going to make in your life? This thing you're fighting, it's over. It's time for you to stand up, and all you have to do is speak the word and take the step. Now do it. Does your life go on the same as it was starting tomorrow? No. But let me ask you this. How many of you believe Pastor Mike was speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit? When the Lord is speaking, holy smoke, We need to get excited. Whoa, this is what God's saying to me right now? Why don't we get excited? Because he looks like Pastor Mike. Or he looks like Scott. But do we believe the Lord speaks at moments like that? Man, I do. I was getting excited standing there. There's some things I need to start speaking to in my life. There's some things you need to start speaking to in your life. Let me come back to let me go back to that because it's important, and we we'll, we got time to finish up the psalm. Let me go back to what he said back here in verse ten. I believe, therefore, I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted. In Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul 
Paul is writing, and we'll begin in verse 7 here. I want to make sure we get the context. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And he's talking about the threat of death, how there is always the danger wherever they go that they're going to be killed. All right? But he's talking about victory. He's talking about they're going through this, they're enduring this. Uh, because of the life they see happening as a result of their preaching, the churches they're planting, and the word that's being received wherever they go. Now, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, and then he quotes this psalm, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. He takes this verse, he's not mocking, but there's, there's almost an element of sarcasm there. Because what, what the psalmist wrote is, look, I believed something wrong. Therefore, I said what I said. In my haste, I said, all men are liars. I believe, therefore I spoke, I am afflicted. I know better now. What I should have said is I'm healed. But I believed, therefore I spoke. And what Paul's saying, he turns that around. We also believe, therefore we also speak. And in this case, what's he talking about? Since he's been talking about the fact that, look, he's facing reality. There's a very real threat on our lives because of what we're doing for Christ. But we believe, therefore we also speak, God's going to raise us up when this is all over. And he's going to present us, us, me, you, Jesus, all of us together. His belief and speech is based on the promise and the word of God, not what he's experiencing. I love how Paul turns that around. And that's exactly uh, the model that we should follow. What do we find? What, what, do we, what do we believe? We believe the word of God. So let's speak the word of God, right? I believe, what, I believe the word of God when he says, I'm healed, that I'm well provided for, right? When, that, that protection belongs to me. These are the things we need to speak. So anyway, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. The first thing, my first response is to recognize there's nothing I can give God. I'm just going to receive it. Cup of salvation, I'll just receive it, and I'll continue to call upon the name of the Lord. Just because he has answered this prayer... I'm not going to take the attitude that, well, I can't go back to him again if I need something. Nope, I'm going to do just the opposite. I'm going to do just the opposite. I realize he's a good, abundant, uh, bountiful God, and I'm going to call upon him again. Then, though, he says in verse 14, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Now, what are these vows? I don't know. What, what has the psalmist promised the Lord? Offerings, sacrifices, obedience, all of the above probably. Let's read on though, because we'll come back to that. 
well, we'll come back to it because he says it again. In verse 15, though, this, this is almost a, a non sequitur. Right in the middle of all this, he says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, we've all heard that verse. We hear it quoted at funerals. And it's a beautiful picture that God notices those who are coming home. Don't think that's what he's talking about here. He's coming back to the very thing he prayed about. When we pray for the sick, when we pray for ourselves, when we are sick, I think it's easy for us to slip into the mistake of believing that death in God's eyes is no big deal. God himself, he doesn't experience death, forgetting for a moment that God the Son did indeed experience death. But we think, well, seeing it from God's perspective, eh, life is just a continuum, death is just a doorway, we move from one life to the other. And he's recognizing here that he appreciates exactly the trauma that death is to human beings. And this is why he's passionate about healing. Because precious in the eyes of the Lord, valuable in the eyes of the Lord, is the death of his saints. When, when, when we reach that time, and it is appointed unto us to die once, okay? But when we reach that point, that is a precious, important moment that God recognizes the preciousness and the importance of. And when we are facing death, an early death because of disease or something else, that's something that we are naturally opposed to, and God is too. You understand? When we are sick unto death, God is not, there's, there's a line, uh, one of my, I've mentioned the book, The Right Stuff, before. It's one of my favorite books. And there's, there's a, as, as the author, Tom Wolfe, is describing, uh, there's a certain protocol uh, among the pilots with the right stuff. And, and one of the things you avoided was what he called nervous chatter. You know, you kept the, the radio communication to a minimum, only what was necessary. And, uh, and there's a story, maybe apocryphal, but widely disseminated about a Navy pilot uh, screaming into his, into his microphone, I've got a MiG at six, I've got a MiG at six, meaning that the enemy was locked in, radar locked on his tail. And somebody cut in on, another, uh, on the radio and said, shut up and die like an aviator. <laughs> well, I think sometimes in our despair, uh, and when we are, again, sick unto death, I don't want us to picture God saying, shut up, die like a Christian. Because precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, when the time comes, I pray that all of us can cross that threshold with dignity. But, you know, he's promised me long life. And one of the things I'm, I believe, therefore I speak. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. I'm going to speak that because that's his word. You understand? And it's hard when our body's telling us something, when our doctor's telling us something, when, when whatever, <laughs> the weather is telling us something. Circumstances, the news. Okay? All I'm going to do is cling to the word of God because that outranks everything. It trumps everything. Okay? So, 
Move on to verse 16 quickly. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Let me back up here to verse 16, this, this idea of you've loosed my bonds. And this kind of goes back to this picture of, and, and, and it's the subject of books, it's the subject of TV shows and movies. You saved my life, therefore I'm yours. What can I do for you? I'll be your servant, I'll be your slave. I owe you that. And this is a proper response to God. Oh Lord, I'm your servant. You loose my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice, the sacrifice of what? 10,000 rivers of oil? My firstborn? No? Thanksgiving. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6 8. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. There it is again. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now again, what are these vows? Whatever they are. Number one, I believe it includes the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The, um, this, uh, Another one of my favorite themes when we talk about the sacrifice. You know, uh, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. I offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I heard this explained years ago, and I agree with this, by the way. I'm not disputing this. I just don't think it's the whole truth. I think uh, when people say, well, even when, uh, even when you don't feel like it, you still praise the Lord. You make the sacrifice. Even if you don't, even if your arms are tired, you keep them up because it's a sacrifice. And God is absolutely worthy of our expressions of praise, no matter how we feel, no matter if we were bummed out when we came here, physically tired when we came here. He's God. So give him, offer him the sacrifice of praise. But I also want to show, I, I, I think it's the, you know, even though it's interesting because this is Old Testament. You know, when the sacrifice system was still in place, you know, it showed it, we, we know this because we spent a couple of years studying the Old Testament, right? That the sacrifices and the offerings, uh, these were simply symbols. It wasn't as if the blood of lambs and goats and bulls actually washed our sins away. They didn't. It was simply an act of obedience on the part of the people that uh, in, in a sort of a crass expression, bought them another year. Uh, and it was all just a picture of the ultimate sacrifice, the pure and perfect blood of Jesus that really did wash our sins away. All right? So what was the sacrifice? The sacrifice was obedience. I will offer the sacrifice of praise. I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is, and, but, what, what, but even more important, I think, what the psalmist is saying here, and if it's David, keep in mind, here's somebody who had resources. Or at least it's, I don't know at what point in his life he was supposed to have written this. I don't know. Uh, because there were some who believe he wrote it while Saul was actually still king. But at any rate, uh, David would go on to have great resources and offer great resources, uh, you know, financial resources, gold, silver, uh, to the house of the Lord. But what he recognizes, <laughs> I think, inherently, we all recognize 
all the gold in the world isn't going to increase God's value any, isn't going to increase him significantly, isn't going to increase, increase him in any way. What's the one thing we can humbly offer him? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will call upon the name of the Lord, verse 18. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. And this speaks, praise and worship team, come on up here. This speaks to where we are. And I believe the vows, absolutely, it would include, you know, it would kind of tie in with what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, with the offerings, with the giving. Uh, I'll pay my vows to the Lord. If I have vowed to, to give a tithe, if I have vowed to give half, if I have vowed to give first fruits, whatever it is, I'm going to pay him whatever I promised. Uh, but it's more than that. It's I'm going to keep my promises to God. And even as far as the, the thanksgiving, well, I live a thankful life. Uh, we pray as a family. I have a, vital, I, I have a vibrant prayer life. He's talking about, I'm going to do it in the presence of his people. There is something important, even vital, about expressing these things and offering these things in the presence of one another, in the assembly. This is the value of corporate praise and worship. Yeah, I'm going to th- yeah, you better thank him in private. You, your, your whole life should be an expression of praise. But when we come together, He's saying, I'm going to make a point of making this sacrifice of thanksgiving, paying my vows now in the presence of the people. Now, there's plenty of other verses, plenty of other passages in the Bible that talk about making sure we do this in the presence of the world. He's talking about doing it in the house of the Lord. So even now, this is the closing song, right? It's just the altar call song, right? Just something to do while we're waiting for anybody to respond. Stand up with me. And as you're standing, and as we prepare to close this service, can you examine your life and ask yourself one question? Has God been good to me ever? Have I seen the kindness, the goodness, the bounty of the Lord? I have, and I know you have. What's the psalmist's response? Same as ours should be. I love him for that. I just love God. Oh, yeah, I want to, I just love him for who he is. He's God, and I recognize that he's God, and therefore, since he's God, I'm going to love him and worship him. i got to be honest. It's very easy for me to love God because I see how good he's been to me. Man, and I look at me, and I know me better than you know me. And I think, man, God has to really be a good God to be that good to me. So can we offer him the sacrifice of thanksgiving? When we sing this song, whatever this song is, sing it from your heart. Sing it out loud. Close your eyes. Raise your hands. Express yourself in the presence of one another in the house of the Lord. Now, if there's things you've got to get right with God, uh, man, I hope. Man, there might be people here, this has pierced you. You know, man, God's been good to me, and I've taken it for granted. Or 
he's been good to me a hundred times and I've been holding one thing against him because I haven't seen how he's been good to me in this one area have you been in faith have you been speaking because you believe it or have you just been hoping and wondering have you been taking the yeah God you were good to me yesterday what have you done for me lately need to be in faith if you need to straighten some things out I encourage you to come up here kneel at the altar don't have to do it at the altar I'll pray with you you can do it in your seat but we've got a few minutes here and a few minutes is enough to do real business with God if you're not saved if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ that'd be a great place to start you sing his praise among the people in the presence of all his people you want to be one of the people and that happens when you recognize hey I'm a sinner I'm a sinner and there's nothing that can save me except for the blood of Jesus if you've never made that decision never recognized that come up here and let me pray with you we'll get that right first Heavenly Father thank you so much thank you so much for your word thank you for these psalms thank you for your love for us your goodness to us your manifest goodness your promise of goodness thank you for the very faith you've given us to believe for the good things you've promised us we believe Lord God therefore we speak that we are victorious we are healed we are prosperous we are uh, we are healthy we are healthy individuals we are healthy families we are healthy church thank you Lord for the direction you're taking us for the things you're doing for us the things you're doing to us and the things you're doing with us and I pray Lord God that you move on us now reveal areas of our lives where we have failed to offer you the proper sacrifice of thanksgiving when you have been so good to us we repent of that ingratitude now and offer you this thanksgiving in Jesus name everybody said amen thanks for listening we hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church have a great day